Hey, and welcome to Vibing with Vi, with your host, Violet Mitzi. Now let's vibe. Hi, Vibers. Today we're joined with a very special guest. She was born in Timmins and grew up in Barrie, loves hiking with her dog and going on adventures with her son and her fiance. When she was a kid, she wanted to be a criminal profiler and she finds the human mind fascinating. Please give a warm welcome to Kelsey. I can't say your last name. <laughs> Hello. Tell okay, me nobody how can say I my pronounce last your last name. In English, it's Heward. It's French Italian. Nobody can pronounce it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that I've been calling you Kelsey Huddard for like ever. Probably. <laughs> like even when I typed it out, I typed it out, I think with like two R's. I don't, I don't know. I typed it out. Definitely not the way that you spelt it. And then when you sent me all your information, I was like, yeah, that's, that's not right. <laughs> like I gotta fix that. And then I meant to ask you before we started recording how to pronounce it, but I forgot. <laughs> that's okay. I'm used to it. <laughs> so I always like to start my episodes with how, you know, I know my guests, some of my guests are virtual, virtual friends, but Thankfully, you and I have known each other for apparently too long. Uh, We were laughing and joking about the fact that we're not 100% sure how we first met, but like 90% sure it was at a cyber zone dance. Yeah, which means we would have been like 11. (laughs) Yeah, so that dates us like way back when. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, didn't you know Gina, Beatty? Yes. Yeah, that's definitely... It was probably like, I met you either with Gina while I was hanging out with Gina and also probably at a Cyber Sunday Ads, now that I'm thinking And about then you that. worked at the movie theater, didn't you? Yes. How did you know Gina? I don't know. Did you bowl? No. Okay. I don't know how I knew her. I went to, I went to public school, Gina, so I've known her forever, but Gina and I both bowled. So I was just thinking about that. Yeah. I don't we, remember how I met her. Yeah. So I like, I met you. Yeah, definitely at cyber zones or even before that, because Gina and I went to public school. We were in grade. I think I moved to Barry when I was in grade four, going into grade five. So I probably I remember met- you working at the movie theater. Yeah, that's that's so weird. I know I worked at the movie theater later. Yeah, I, I think I talked to like everybody when I worked at the movie theater. I was like, <laughs> everyone be my friend. Like, I'm so cool. anyone. <laughs> yeah, literally. I'm like, I'm so cool. I work at a movie theater. Best times of my life. <laughs> Actually, that's like one of the best parts of the movie is like, if you'd be scheduled for what they call door, you would go and check on the movies periodically throughout them being like on because you want to make sure that they're running because we were old school projection style. Like it wasn't digital at that point. Mm-hmm. So there was somebody upstairs actually putting the reels onto the projector and sometimes they'd fuck up. So you'd go in and you'd stand in there for like 10 minutes. And, like, oh, and then be like, Oh, right. Yeah. No, I got other, gotta be other places. Too. <laughs> yeah. I actually have to go do my job. But then the other opposite end of that, that role is being the door person meant that you clean the theater oh and i tell you i've seen some weird ass fucking shit in a movie theater (laughs) i am not surprised like especially that movie theater like i'm pretty sure why am i blanking on what it's called what's a what's the word for female condom something with a d a diaphragm 
diaphragm. I found a diaphragm. <laughs> Why? <laughs> like, or are you just having sex in the movie theater and you're like, I don't need this anymore. Like oh throw it out. Like so gross. Like, oh, like weird ass shit. I found money sometimes too. And that was sick because if you were like the only one cleaning the movie theater and you're like, I just found 50 bucks, that's shit. you're keeping that shit. You're oh, not shit. Yeah, but if you found it and there was a couple other people, you'd tell everybody and then like you'd split it amongst like other people because like that's fair. I guess like you have to I be guess. a good person at some point because you just stole somebody's money. Like, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but anyway, so fast forward to us actually forming a friendship was years fucking later. Like what felt like century. I had already had a baby at this point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So centuries later, we met, let's say, yeah, when we were 10, and then we rekindled our friendship when we were like in our 20s. 23, 24? Yeah, because I think I think it was like 20, I want to say 2015, 2016, maybe. Yeah, because Alex was like one and a half, two-ish, I think. Was he really that young? Yeah. Oh man. Because remember he he would fall always fall asleep in the cart, in the bottom of the cart whenever we came in. Oh yes, I do remember that. So we started both working at uh the wonderful place of kitchen, 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 step plus. That's not a paid <laughs> advertisement. <laughs> and that job was something else. That job was yep. fun, but also stupid as fuck, but yep. really fun. It was fun because of the people that work there that made it. But and the that's fact that we got away with literally everything. Yeah, well, that's because Kev loved us. Shut up, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kev, we're totally working, sitting on the skids, drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry. We'll get it done, Kev. Like, don't worry. I mean, we always got it done, but probably six hours later. Yeah, oh, exactly. Man. Before close, it's fine. <laughs> Who was it that hated us? Was it, was it Sylvie? Sylvia? Is that what her name was? Yeah, she still works there. <laughs> shut up really oh no at, you know, not at that one obviously but at another one right the one that they moved to they moved to the cookstown mall oh still, she's still the manager oh so remind me to never go there ever yeah i don't think she was a big fan of us because we were not slackers but we talked too much like i'm pretty sure we got told to stop talking and i'm like but i'm having fun we got sent to separate sections for a reason <laughs> yeah actually i forgot about that it was like keep them separated i'm like what are we in fucking school like you're paying me to be here like yeah, I'm working. Be- it was better than what alex used to do what did i, I forgot he alex- did nothing <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was sent home like every second. I don't know how that guy kept a job until we closed. Oh my God. I actually forgot about Alex. I don't even remember who. Wow. My brain. You just unlocked like a memory. Like a core memory. He used to unlocked. literally fall asleep on top of skids. I forgot about it. Who else did we work with? I don't even remember. Like that's terrible. I remember some of the girls. I remember I one girl stole something from another girl's locker or something. And it became like a whole... The whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about actually I forgot about a lot of people that work there. I think the only person that I have on social media from that job other than you is Zar. That's the yep. only person. And I, I think I hung out with her like once or twice actually after working yeah. there. But other than that, like nobody else 
I was no, like, the only, I think the only person I still talk to, I talk to Zar once in a while on like Snapchat. Yeah. And then you and Kev are the only ones that I talk to. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Like I just, and it's not anything against the other people. I just don't think that we ever like built like a friendship kind yeah. of thing. I don't remember. I hope that she never listens to this, but I don't remember what that one girl name was but I can picture her she had like blonde hair and glasses but she fucking hated me she was like oh uh Neely yeah (laughs) sorry if you're listening to this Neely but like you fucking hated me you hated my (laughs) life you made me miserable every single time I worked with you I could feel it she would just like give me such fucking cut eye and I'm like yo what the fuck did did I do to you Like, and she was so nice to everybody else. She just had like a, a hard on for hating me. I remember when we were doing, we were setting up the picture frames or something and Alex printed out a bunch of like inappropriate photos and stuck yes. into the picture frames. Yes. <laughs> it was like two days before anybody noticed. What Weren't they like all different memes, like dirty memes? Yeah. Like yeah. super inappropriate memes in the family photo section. Yeah. I forgot about that. How did he keep his job? Like they were just, it must have been so desperate. And they're like, it's Christmas season. We need all hands on deck. Pretty much. And he would be like stoned out of his tree every single time he was working. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, he, he really was. I remember I tried to have conversations with him just to fuck with him and be like, no, Alex, uh, you know, they, they need yeah. you over there. They're, they're calling for you. He'd be like, what? I'd be like, yeah. And then radio, it's not working. Yeah, yeah. He'd be like, help, what's happening? Oh, man. <laughs> that, that job was honestly so fun. It really Never was. a dull moment. Never a dull moment. And, like, I left before they even closed. Yeah, I stayed till they closed. And you then did, they wanted yeah. me to go back in Cookstown. And I was like, I am not driving to Cookstown every day. Oh, why the fuck in would the you travel over there? Yeah, exactly. And for like minimum wage. Yeah, I was just about to say for like no money at all. Well, and they had me like training everybody and I got paid nothing extra for doing that. Yeah, I'm not surprised about that, actually. (laughs) Every time they were like, oh, we'll pay you more. And I'm like, then what check is this going on? Because it hasn't come on mine as of yet. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, don't worry, we'll back pay you. And then the store closes and they're like, awkward. (laughs) Awkward, but like, can you come back? (laughs) yeah oh oh my god what was that one manager's name Andre yeah Dre he was Dre yeah he was really nice he was actually when you say you can come back I instantly thought about him because he actually reached out to me I think the following Christmas and was like yeah which would have been when they were in Cookstown yeah and he's like hey would you want to come work here and I'm like no because I don't want to drive to Cookstown I think I moved already at that point and I was like I was okay. like, um, have you ever done the drive from Barry to Cookstown in the middle of winter? Hard pass. Yeah. No fucking thank you. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, we can get into our topic today. Uh, so we are going to center our topic around mental health. So I was going to start it off with the definition of mental health, but I actually would just prefer to ask you, what does mental health mean to you, Kelsey? Well, to me, it's more how I, it's not so much a, it's more of a feeling for me. Like I combat my mental health. I go to the gym every morning at 4.30 in the morning. Um, I go on 4.30? Yes. 
when you're a mom, you have very minimal time to yourself. <laughs> That's fair. That is fair. So if I don't go at 4.30 in the morning, I like, I don't get to go. <laughs> so I, or I have I, to go late at night and I can't sleep after I've been to the gym. I thought that like, I was a badass this morning for getting up at 5.15. I was like, yeah got it yeah, you no, normally I'm, get up at six so I'm at the gym for 4 30 granted it's like four blocks from my house so it's not far but still I'm at the gym for 4 30 Monday a, to Saturday I have a Monday to Saturday I have a whole different level of respect for you right now because <laughs> like when I get up and I'm like you know I finished my Peloton workout in my apartment behind me I look at your I look at your stories and I'm like ah yeah I go Kelsey not realizing that you were just there at 4 30 in the fucking morning so do you go to bed super early no I go to bed at like 9 30 10 o'clock so you don't (laughs) sleep remember I'm a mom I've trained for not sleeping for the last like eight years. This is true. It's a marathon. You've been doing this marathon for eight years. It's not. And I worked in the oil fields before that. So I also did not get sleep. I don't think I knew that you worked in the oil fields. I used to work in Alberta in Fort McMurray. When were you working in Alberta in between us meeting or not meeting? Yeah. Uh, Before I had Alex, I came back from Alberta and got pregnant with Alex. Things changed real fast when I moved back to Barrie. Yeah, I'd say things escalated hella fast. Yeah, that that escalated real quick for you. I didn't realize that. I don't think yeah. that we ever talked about the fact that you were. In yeah, Florida. so I lived out there and worked in the oil field. And on my days off, I did bartending. And then I had a stroke, and that's why I moved home. You had a stroke? Okay, well, like let's talk my about birth that. control. It was your birth. Yeah. And that stresses me. I think I don't on birth control anymore, but like they actually talk about how like that yeah. can happen, but you, it's one of those things where you don't really take it seriously unless it's yeah. happened to you or, you know, somebody that it's happened to. Yeah. I had two of them. I had one, uh, the last week of December and the other one, the first week of January. Wow. So like that, that close together. And just yeah, like, so I had two like back to back. Um, the first one I was just with friends and went to the hospital and the second one, I was actually at work and I don't remember it, but apparently my boss had to carry me to the truck and take me to the hospital. So wow, like, time. How, how did you, how did you know that it was a stroke or you didn't know until like you went to the hospital the first time? Uh, well, the second one, cause the first time I went to the hospital and they said that that was what happened. And then the second time I apparently started talking in gibberish and like one side of my face went droopy and then I just like collapsed. So all the signs that you would see. Wow. Yeah. And I still don't have full function of the right side of my body. So the stroke happened on the left side and I don't have full function of the right side of my body. So I get like chronic pain. I get tremors. Wow. Yeah. I know that I remember you talking about having chronic pain when we worked together at Kitchen Stuff Plus, but I didn't realize that that's what it was from. Yeah. And then did you like go off birth control right away when you came home? Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is hence the Why tiny you that I have upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because I was told I would never be able to have kids. I've had severe endometriosis and PCOS since I was nine. And I've had over 20 surgeries, was told I would never have kids. So when I got pregnant, um, I took like 14 tests. Wow. Because apparently the first 13 were, I don't know, inaccurate. I don't, I don't know. And then I went to the doctor and the doctor actually took an extra test. And then when I went to my OBGYN, 
they took an extra test because they were like, we've seen your insides. Like, this is impossible. So, yeah, he's our little miracle baby. So you were like, yeah, obviously I have to keep him. Oh, yeah. You don't know if that opportunity would come again, right? Wow. Yeah. So it wasn't a hard choice. It was an awkward discussion because James and I were actually friends for about a decade before we ever started dating. And we had only actually been together officially for like a month when we got pregnant shit well at least like, at least real you awkward real fast yes thankfully yeah. we knew each other but it was just like so things just escalated <laughs> you're like so you want to stay together with me for the rest of your life <laughs> pretty much want to be stuck in my life in some way or another and like I right away was like if you're not into it like either way I'm keeping it this is your out but yeah once he saw that little heartbeat on the ultrasound, he was mush and rest is history. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. I love it. Yeah. But because of the stroke and stuff, it like really forced me to have to revisit things I wanted to do with my life. And it's definitely put some barriers in place for me. I couldn't work on the police force like I had planned and all these big dreams that I had, I couldn't do anymore. So that took a toll mentally. And then being a super high risk pregnancy, I was put on bed rest basically the day they found out I was pregnant. And so what did you do for work? I was put on sick leave right away. Oh, wow. But I lucked out because I got pregnant so fast and I had moved home to get medical care because um, Fort McMurray healthcare sucks, even though it's in our country. Um, They... So I had this, the second stroke in January and they weren't going to put me into a stroke clinic until the end of June. Oh, and wow. Then, yeah. So then my mom called my family doctor here and she was like, nope, she has a week to get home and she starts the stroke clinic here. So that was why I came home and I was in Fort Mac, like by myself. I lived with my stepbrother and mm-hmm. who also worked in the oil fields and we worked opposite shifts. So I was essentially living by myself. My mom was like, yeah, no, you need to come home. So, so did you come going- home? Or did, were you and James up there? Like you met James, like you rekindled the James out there. Um, James and I had started talking again while I was out there. Um, And then you came home for a quick. Kind of, not really kind of. (laughs) So a friend of a mutual friend of ours had known that I was planning to come home because of all the stuff that was happening. And then basically told James like, oh, she's in another province. Like, just tell her how you feel. It's not like she's coming home knowing I was coming home. So he basically just like baited him into it. And we had been like really, really good friends. So he basically was like, oh, I've always been in love with you. Like I always thought there was a future. And then I was like, yep, um, I'm coming home in like a week. You're like, I'm not actually, you know, doing well. So I'm coming home. So do you want a date? Yeah, pretty much. And And then, um, (laughs) I somehow managed to drive my truck from, so going out there, I drove with my grandpa, I drove to Timmins. And then when I went to get in the truck to drive to Alberta, my grandpa like came out with his little duffel bag and was like, we're going on a road trip, which was like the best road trip I've ever been on in my life. And then when I came home, I had to make that drive by myself. And then I got a hole in my oil pan on the way home in the middle of nowhere Saskatchewan it was the longest drive home and the scariest drive home did you you did you go through the Trans-Canada I yeah I went all through yeah I I didn't go through the I didn't go through the states because I was had my truck like full of all my belongings and I was like if they 
rip apart my truck. Like I'm going to be this five foot person on the side of a highway trying to put my stuff back in my vehicle. And I had three guys help me pack my vehicle to get home. So I was like, there's no way I'm able to do this on my own. Oh my God. Did you drive? You didn't drive all the way through. Like how long did it take you? Four days. So did you stop like hotels and stuff and your stuff was fine? Um, I only stopped in, I stopped in two hotels, but I had to like pull over and refill my oil tank. Like Like, every couple kilometers because I got a crack in it on the way that, yeah. That was fucking brutal. Not a good trip. It was not good. My cousin and my grandpa had to meet me in Thunder Bay because they were worried I was just going to like be dead on the side of the highway somewhere. And it was January in Ontario. Oh, so terrible weather. Like absolutely brutal. Brutal. I did. I did the drive on the Trans Canada from like Barry to Banff and I did it with my best friend Lindsay and that was a fucking hell of a drive it took us it's literally Canada's deadliest highway for like four days yeah I think it took us yeah about maybe five days I, I think it was I don't think it was four but it was fucking brutal like I, I don't know how it was for you we went in eight I think I think that's when we finished school I think we went out there for like the first week of May so actually probably around this time and we hit spots where like there was no cell signal for a full day and I'm like oh okay like at least for us like we're together you're by yourself and I'm like well you know if we fucking you know get stuck on the side of the road we're fucked because we have no cell service and then there was points too which I'm sure you experienced as well where you wouldn't see anybody on the highway for hours like it's just you and that's it and you're like if anything happens again like you're not seeing anybody and the gas station the gas stations yes. were so far apart every time for us every time the gas station would come we just put money in it like we just fill it up yeah. as much as we could and I had I had a jerry can that I filled up too that's smart see we didn't do that we would just like fill up fill up fill up but well, I drove a Dodge Ram yeah so like I wasn't confident there would be gas by the time I got to the next gas station so yeah. I filled up a jerry can the whole way too yeah that's fair and see and then when we came back we went through the States. She actually is from Windsor. So it made more sense if we went through the States and then came through Detroit into Windsor Yeah, and it cut it down yet to like three days. It was like nothing. And I'm like, at least if something was to happen, we can just put our data on and then figure it out versus the trans Canada when we had points where there was like just no cell service. So it was okay. But I went back again. (laughs) I did the trip four times. I went again with my mom and we went through the States both times. And I can't remember if it was going there or coming back. We hit some fucking like weird ass weather. Like when they say that when a tornado is going to happen, that the sky goes green. They're yeah. not joking. Actually, I forgot Lindsay and I, that happened to Lindsay and I too. So we're driving and on one side, it's like, Oh, blue skies and beautiful. And on the other side, it's green. And actually I totally forgot about this. I just unlocked my own memory. We're driving and we've been listening to CDs because, you know, we're cool. We burn CDs (laughs) 2013 and burn CDs and we're listening to them nonstop. And then we're like, okay, you know what? Let's just take a break. Let's stop listening to CDs and let's listen to the radio. We fucking turn on the radio. I shoot you not. And it's like, and we're like, what is happening? It is telling us that there is a tornado warning. Lindsay, like, again, 
we're in the States. So we're not turning on our data. We didn't have a cell phone plane. We're like, we're just going to be a couple of days. Fucking pulls out the map while I'm driving <laughs> and is looking at the map, listening to where they're saying that the tornado is. And she looks at me, she's like, bitch, we're driving into it. And I'm like, no, no. And I'm like looking and like where we were, like we were driving in between fucking cities. So I look, I look to the right. I look to the left. It's just flat land. And then there's this one random, like crickety fucking hostel. And I'm like, we're not, we're not pulling over there. I'm like, bitch, I'm driving through this. I was speeding so fast because I'm like, I, I don't want to die because you could just see like, you know, yeah. Here, it's all green and then we're driving like up and towards it so I'm like and then it was raining on one side but kind of the same thing happened with me and my mom one side it was raining and then on the other side it was clear skies it's so weird fucked the weather was like this wall yeah (laughs) exactly so we'll go back to mental health so do you think that there's an uh, association with like having a healthy life and like healthy mental health and happiness like do you think yes. that those are kind of coincided 100%. and like in order for you to be happy you have to have you know work on your mental health and be in a good place a hundred percent I find like only I've always been a pretty active person um but I'd say like the last six months or so I've really got back to focusing more on myself especially being you know a mom you tend to kind of put yourself last everybody else is more important and the last six months or so I've really focused on the fact that like I can't pour from an empty cup and my son needs me to be happy to be able to do all the things that he needs and that he wants and I mean everybody that I've talked to has really noticed a difference in like my attitude and like just overall how I've changed as a person and I seem a lot happier I'm able to be more productive and I'm able to like go through things a lot easier. Like when things go wrong, it's not like chicken little, the sky is falling. It's I'm (laughs) able to kind of like get through it. And I've start to learn the ways to get through it and different things that help me. And I've also learned my boundaries and it's taken some time of being able to tell people what my boundaries are and cut off the people that don't respect them. Yeah. That's definitely an ongoing learning curve but since I started to focus on me and see the difference that it makes in my life I've it's helped me push to do those have those difficult conversations that if you're not respecting what I'm doing and what I need then there's no room yeah Yeah, pretty much (laughs) so you're saying that then for you particularly that there's a direct link to fitness and mental health you find that definitely I'll feel better I actually agree with you on that as well and maybe if you asked me six months ago I would have been like you're at fucking lunch like yes fitness makes you <laughs> feel better but actually when you're kind of saying that and talking about how you find that since working out um it's kind of helped you work through things more I've actually noticed that about myself as well I feel like it almost makes you more clear like minded mm-hmm. focus more rational because yes. like I'm fucking crazy. And I go zero to a hundred real quick, unfortunately, in a lot of situations, whether it's work, friends, relationships, you know, uh, things can kind of set me off. And since I started working out, it's, it's gotten better, but what has kind of motivated you or changed that all of a sudden you decided that you want to 
do this fitness journey? Is it because like you were saying that you want to be able to be like a better version for yourself, for Alex? I know Um, it's a bit of that, but it's also, I started, um, with the stroke, I get a lot of chronic pain and stuff and doctors don't really know where the pain comes from or why it's getting worse. Um, for the first couple of years, I used to get numbness in one leg, uh, from about mid shin to my feet. And it's now traveled all the way up my body over the years. Um, so things are like progressively getting worse and doctors can't figure out why. Um, and just getting doctors to listen to you in the first place these days is a nightmare. Um, like I've gone into neurologist office and the first thing they say to me is I'm not him. I don't give out narcotics and I'm like, cool, cool. I don't want those. I want you to tell me what the fuck is wrong with me. So, and I noted, like, I just, I've literally tried everything that I can possibly think of. I've done all the different, like the keto diets and I've done like, um, there's a book that I've read called the plant paradox and teaching yourself how to eat for an autoimmune disease. Like I've tried everything in my power to help combat the pain and the fatigue and the things that come along with it. And this was kind of the next step. I've always been active, but also afraid of pushing myself too far in activities because I don't want to make things worse. And then after doing a lot of research, I found that a lot of people that have similar issues that do push themselves actually are able to kind of hit a reset in their body and their pain is less, which has actually been happening for me. I still have really bad days, obviously. And it's hard sometimes to listen to my body because it's, am I sore because I worked out or am I sore because I'm having a flare up? I've had to learn to listen to my body and when to push and when to kind of pull back. But I've noticed a huge change in my pain in like just overall how I feel. And I'm finding that things like flare ups are a lot less. So it started with kind of just seeing where things go to help. And then also wanting to be a better version for a better mom and a better version of myself for my son. And just, you know, pushing myself out there, having to kind of pivot when you're in your early twenties and the career you've planned for and all the dreams you plan for have to pivot kind of puts you in a downward spiral and then you have, you know, postpartum depression and all of those things. And, you know, all the generational childhood traumas that we all (laughs) grow up with and realize as adults that they are not healthy. Um, So I've kind of spent like the last, I'd say the last like year and a half really focusing on just bettering myself mentally and like saying when I need help and doing a lot of self-help and self-discovery And then I've kind of just reached a point where I'm working that physical stuff into it and who I was a year and a half ago and who I am today, I feels like a complete stranger. It's crazy how like, I mean, working out isn't something small, but just like doing a little bit different than what you were doing Mm -hmm. before and kind of incorporating, you know, one thing and then another thing and another thing, how much that can empower you, but also, like you said, kind of change you and in a good way, like not necessarily in a bad way. Like you're doing all of these things and you kind of take a step back and you're like, how did I function without any of these things? Yeah, exactly. And I find like when I, now when I find I'm stressed or I'm upset about something or whatever the situation is now, I'm like, okay, I could sit here and be upset about this. I could spend the day laying in bed or I can go to the gym for an hour and work out that frustration and come home. And it's like, I hit a reset and I'm the type of person when I'm upset, I need my space and I just want to cool off. And if it's 
like going to the gym or going in the trail with the dog, the trails are like my happy place. (laughs) That's where I go. And I'm like, I'm okay. And it's my reset. But if I'm able to go to the gym, depending on the time, because I don't like to go there when there's lots of people, I'm not a people person. (laughs) I can fake it. But when there's a lot of people, I just don't want to be there. That's why I like the trail. But I find like, if I'm really struggling, that's how I like and I, that's part of my boundaries. I force people to give me my space because I leave the situation Yeah, and people know, like, if I'm at the gym, like, don't text me, don't call me. Like if it's nine one one, let me know. But otherwise, like, that's my time. If I'm in the trail or I'm at the gym, that's my time. I need that. That's my boundary. Non-negotiable. It's taken time for people to understand that, but <laughs> some people just won't ever understand yeah. that, unfortunately. All right. So fun question. How do you think society views mental and physical health differently? I think it's definitely improved for mental health. I still think we have a long way to go, especially for men. I don't think that they really get the ability to speak out like women do with the stigma and everything. But I think that mental health and physical health go hand in hand. And we still have a long way to go for people to realize that. But I think the people that have realized that have gone a lot further, like with whether it's their physical journey or their mental health journey, they've gone a lot further adding both of those in. But I do think we still have a long way to go. I'm lucky enough that, especially in my workplace, they're very understanding physical health, mental health, it all rolls into one there. So if I am struggling and haven't need a mental health day to them, it's no different than me taking a sick day. So I, really lucky in that sense. I've worked for other places where you could be on your deathbed and they still expect you to clock in. I believe we both worked for a place that had that expectation. Yeah. You're like, I'm throwing up and they're like, but you're still coming in. Right. Yeah. And you're like in 20 <laughs> and you're like, go fuck yourself. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm really lucky that I work in healthcare and the clinic that I work at, they're great about it. If it doesn't matter what it is or even like as far as my son goes, if he's struggling and the school calls or I get an email from his teacher that he's having a rough day, my son's dyslexic and dysgraphic. So he's got a pretty tough learning disability and some days are just too much. And if I get an email from the school, it's no questions asked. They're like, what are you still doing here? Just leave. What's dis- dysgraphic, did you say? Yeah. So dyslexia, you see things kind of mixed up or not necessarily just reading. A lot of people who are dyslexic, if you give them, say, a list of tasks to do or like a list of instructions, you can say A, B, C, D, but their brain will only really understand C. So a lot of people who are dyslexic can't follow instructions in a certain way because their brain just, it doesn't compute. And dysgraphic, he sees letters and numbers upside down and backwards. Oh, wow. That would be very challenging. I couldn't imagine that. Like, especially being a young kid, that would probably be very difficult yeah so we do tutoring we do he's in a dyslexic therapy program all of which are not covered by the government which is nice so yeah so you basically need like a third job just to pay for it um but we've seen like a huge change in him and his confidence and things like that but there are still days like with anyone yeah where I mean I didn't have a learning disability and there were days at school where I was like I'm done I'm tapped out I need out. So we've got a pretty good understanding with a school that when he says like enough is enough, I need to leave or I need a break. We have some systems in place, but some days they know just 
text mom and he's got to leave. So thankfully my, um, my work is really understanding with it. Yeah. And if, if I say I need to go, they're like, all right, bye. What are you still doing here? Tell Alex, we say hi. Oh, that's great. That honestly, that's really lucky because like a lot of companies are not like that, but you said something that is key in the fact that none of this stuff is covered, which kind of goes to me hand in hand with the fact that like, when it comes to mental health, therapy is honestly one of the best tools that I think that anybody could ever use. I, I don't think it's spoken about enough and normalized enough like it's starting to begin to but it's definitely not normalized enough and with that being said some companies don't have benefits to begin with so that fucking sucks but then also if they do have benefits there's a max amount that you can spend so like myself there's therapy that I'd like to do but I can only do so many sessions because there's not that much coverage. So that doesn't really work. Like what am I supposed to do in order to get the therapy and work on my mental health and be in the best position that I possibly could be if they're going to cap it and say, Hey, you know what? After you spend $300, that's it. You don't get any more therapy. We're done. And that doesn't work. And like, therapy is important. And these people go into this profession and it's a lot of schooling, a lot of time. And you have to be somebody that, you know, can handle all of that stuff. So Mm -hmm. they deserve to be making the money that they're making. But unfortunately I can't afford to pay, you know, 150 bucks for one session. Yeah. And I mean, even with Alex's therapy, it's not covered under insurance. Oh, it's not even covered under. No. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So we're literally paying out of pocket. Um, and we went, it took us four years to get them into the program going through the government who don't help you pay for it. They just like do the test basically. And the test is like a couple grand and then you have to get retested every year. And on top of it, like they don't give you the therapy. They're just like, here's the piece of paper that says what you have do what you want to do with it. So we've literally done like research after research after research. And James is actually dyslexic as well. And he went to a school in the UK that specializes in dyslexic learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the UK, dyslexia is kind of like our autism, yep, okay. so to speak. So we, that was part of how we caught onto it is when Alex was saying he was seeing things a certain way. James was like, light bulb, that's how I see it not a good sign. Um, so we emailed his old headmaster and just kind of asked for advice and they weren't really able to help us with Canadian stuff, but over COVID with Alex being home and his school being shut down, he actually Skyped with us to give us like pointers on how to help Alex in the meantime. And he did like some testing with him and stuff, which is how we found out he was dysgraphic. And then we only just recently got into this program because you have to be a minimum of seven for them to be able to like really work with you. And it was $500 just to get the test done. Wow. And it's $175 per session. Wow. And it's like three sessions a week. (gasps) No. Yeah. You weren't kidding when you said you need a third job (laughs) just for that. Yeah. 
So, and then, I mean, and on top of it, we want Alex to be a regular kid. So he's in Taekwondo and hockey and swimming and whatever other sport you can think of. He starts rugby next month. So good for him. Yeah. Every summer we choose a different summer sport. Uh, and then winter is just hockey all day, every day. It's all we ever do. We are starting rugby in like two, two weeks, I think. And he's super excited. I'm super excited because I played rugby. (laughs) That's honestly amazing. That would be so, so, so fun. I don't think I could ever handle doing that as a female. I just, I'm too brittle. I'm too girly. I'm like, ew, I don't want like dirt underneath my nails, but that's, <laughs> that's really cool for him. Cause I know he's like a big hockey lover. So yeah, I'm sure that'll be really fun for him to get to try something different as well. Yeah. And we actually just, uh, bought him a skateboard for Easter. So now oh, we're learning. Skateboarding. So oh, we are all sports all the time. <laughs> um, but I mean, it all still caught like the government when we were kids, there used to be like a tax write-off for X amount for our parents to put us in like sports and extracurriculars. That stopped the year we had Alex. Oh no. (laughs) Now you don't even get a tax break on it, which is awesome. But uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all going to help him and he'll be a better student for it. And it's taught him so much patience and so much empathy. I mean, he's probably got like the biggest heart for the tiniest human and he's always the first person to help people. And like, um, he actually just had his first pizza day at school and I made the awesome mistake of accidentally ordering him an entire pizza instead of a slice of pizza. So (laughs) that's the best thing that could have ever happened that's mom goals he probably was like feeling like such a baller he's like yeah oh yeah he gave there was a little girl in his class that I guess her parents thought they ordered her pizza but they didn't and so he's like oh mom I gave her a slice of my pizza I hope that's okay and then I picked him up from taekwondo and he's like I gave another kid on the bus a slice of pizza because he was hungry oh that's so sweet I mean I guess in the long run it was good that I screwed up <laughs> but I was his teacher sent me an email and I was at work like oh my gosh I can't believe I did that and then I picked him up and he's like oh there's only one slice left and I'm like you had a whole pizza how is there one slice left yeah, he's just giving it out he's oh, just yeah. like pizza for you pizza for you oh, yeah, 100%. that's awesome like, even on the even when he plays hockey like if somebody on the other team falls down and gets hurt he's the first person to like go and help them up and make sure they're okay and stuff so I think with everything, it's just made him such an empathetic kid, but that's honestly, that's a fortune (laughs) actually amazing that, you know, that ties into one of my questions. I actually wanted to ask you is, do you think that people who have mental health issues develop a stronger sense of compassion because of the challenges that they may face? I definitely think so. Um, even with like, I mean, with Alex, it's been, he was somehow just born with like the biggest heart. Right. Um, I remember him being maybe three and we left the doctor's office and a little old man missed a step and fell down and he was the first person to run up check if he was okay tried to help lift him up himself and me and another gentleman helped this man up and we sat him down on a chair and uh, Alex and I stayed with him and this gentleman went into the building where the doctors were and just had a doctor come check him out and he was probably late 80s early 90s very very elderly and frail and Alex just kept asking if he was okay asking if he could do anything for him and he was only two and a half three 
and it was the like the best compliment you can get as a parent is that you're doing a good job and that's all that the this elderly man could say was that I was doing such a good job and he had such a big heart and I mean we can't drive down the street without seeing people on the side of the road asking for money and every time Alex is like can I just like bring my piggy bank and so now we're trying to get him to understand like not everybody needs all of our compassion yeah yeah (laughs) like there's a time and a place um but I definitely think especially since learning about his struggles at school um even with he was bullied really bad in jk and sk and um like to the point that he's got scars from it um yeah physically bullied yeah he had his face smashed against the brick wall and has a scar between his eyes um and the little boy who did that he was just talking about him the other day and he's like oh i think I think he was just going through a tough time. He's nice now. I say hi to him in the hallway. And like, he's the first person to be like, no, everybody has hard days. And I'm like, as a mom, I'm like, he smashed your face against a wall. Like, what? I mean, he's like wise beyond his years and so much more mature. And like me being mama bear, I'm like, no, like you cannot hang out with that boy. And he's like, mommy, like, it's okay. He's nice to me now. We've gotten past it. And I'm like, okay. I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. But you, do you find yourself then compassionate? Do you think that's why Alex is, is compassionate? Yeah. I mean, I know some people like my mom and and James both say like, I'm compassionate to a fault. Um, Like I've always said, I want to be, I want to work like 911 dispatch. And they're both like "Mm, hard pass. (laughs) Like you know what, actually the girl Jess that you listened to the episode that my first one that I played today, she actually is going through school for that right now really yeah she she's like it's hard she likes it but she's like you know the stuff that they talk about that they that you have to prepare yourself for is just yeah. like crazy she has a son too actually I think her son's younger than yours I think he might be in grade one okay Alex is grade two yeah or maybe or in senior kindergarten he's he's younger but that's really funny because that's actually what she wants to go to school and like get a degree and everything and and go I've actually applied I applied two days ago to the OPP and it's so hard to get into but um it's something I've always wanted to do and both James and my mom are like um but you're so compassionate like they're just worried that I'll like wear it all on my shoulders but being the fact that like I'm so into my mental health and my physical health. And I've learned to like say when I need help and working in, I have a family member that has worked in that same job years ago. And like, if you get a hard call, like there's psychiatrists that are literally on staff all hours to make sure, like, if there's something you need to talk about, you can do that. And I've learned over the years to be able to do that. Like I went to the season center for grieving children when I was in the fifth grade I think wow Um, because I lost my dad when I was two and it got to the point where it was like all of these it it finally hit me these are all the things that he's missing and stuff and going to that it was never I don't know if you know much about season center but it was never it's not a type of therapy that's like forced upon the kids it's like this open atmosphere you can play games you can do crafts you can do whatever and there's these trained people that are there to talk when you're ready to talk. Nobody pushes you, but they find ways to kind of ask questions as a group so that it gets you thinking. And when you're ready to open up, you can. And I think the fact that 
I was able to do that so young, it kind of gave me those stepping stones to be able to work on it later in life. And it's now something that like I use with Alex, we have a completely open dynamic relationship. He knows there's no question he can't ask. He knows that, you know, if there's anything he wants to know, his parents are who he goes to and he'll get the honest answer, age appropriate, honest answer, but (laughs) the honest answer. And that's something that I hope carries him through to adulthood and his teenage years, knowing that, you know, there's never going to be a time that you can't call us. I would rather you call me and we deal with it than you not call me and it be something we can't fix later. Like I had that relationship with my parents. If I'm out drinking out at a party or I find myself in a situation, you call and there's no questions asked. There's no reprimand. You're home and that's it. So I'm hoping that that's something that (laughs) will continue on in his life, but I'm sure if you open up that line to him, I'm sure that he, he will use that for sure. My mom was the same way. She's like, I don't care. Just call me if you ever need me. So it's important to have that, to know that if you are in a situation that you're never stuck and you, you don't have to deal with it on your own. Do you? Yeah, exactly. Do you have things that have kind of like, you keep talking about how you have all these different things that kind of interconnect into your mental health and ways that you've been able to just cope with different things. How have you built that foundation of, you know, knowing how to deal with things? Is it therapy that you did? Like you said that you went to that when you were young, but even therapy as an adult, like what are your tools that you use to kind of get through your tough days? So my main, t- I don't go to therapy right now. Again, benefits. Um, <laughs> I feel that. Trust thanks, me. Canadian healthcare. But I, over the years, I mean, I've gone to therapy before. I've been lucky enough to work in different places. I worked for South Simcoe Police for a little bit. Right. And it's kind of like the 911 dispatch. They have people on staff that you can speak to. And my main tools, I journal. I have a notebook that I write everything in, whether it's good days, bad days. I have a gratitude journal. I recently started when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is I have say five things that I'm grateful for. And that's been really big for my mental health because there's some days, especially on days like pain wise, where I wake up and, you know, I'm exhausted and I just don't want to do anything. And it's really helped kind of change the way that I see the day. I'm starting the day on a positive note. Uh, There's five things I'm grateful for. And I have a rule for myself that I can't use the same thing twice in one week. Oh, that would be so hard. So I, I, when I first started, I was finding that I was using like, I'm grateful for Alex. I'm grateful for Alex. And it was just like, it was something that I can, and then it was kind of like, okay, but what else outside of a, outside of a mom, are you grateful for? Because that's been one of my biggest struggles is seeing myself as more than a mom. Right. Yeah. I think that's something that a lot of moms deal with is you just, you wear that hat and that's, you know, you don't kind of lose your own self-identity yeah. identity by with that. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's 100% the best part about me, but I have to learn that I'm my own, especially now that Alex is getting older and becoming more independent. And as much as I don't want to think about it, like he's going to be bringing a girlfriend home soon. Oh God. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I have to, when he, I don't want to be one of those parents that when he decides to, you know, when he's older and he's leaving home and going to college, I'm like, what do I do with myself? I want to already have those systems in place that when he leaves, I'm like, cool, great. 
go on and live your life. Mom's here when you need me, but I have my own life. Yeah. You have Um, your own friends and like things outside of just being a parent. Yeah. And that was something that using like the gratitude journal really taught me, especially saying like, I can't use the same thing twice in one week because it was forcing me to find other things in my life that I'm grateful for that normally I would kind of look over, whether it's something as simple as I'm grateful that I can financially be able to buy myself a coffee every day. Yeah, that's that's something really good. Can you share with us what you're grateful for today? So today I was grateful that I woke up in no pain today. Yay. That's, <laughs> Which no, is that's amazing awesome. because I had COVID like last week and thought I was dying. Yeah. Um, right. And I bet that just made you feel 10 times worse on top of what you already yes. struggle with. Yes. And I had a flare up during COVID, which I, yeah, was t- completely awful. I'm grateful that I got to go back to the gym today. Woo! I, <laughs> I was grateful that I was, I just, my car broke down and I'm grateful that I was able to afford the parts that I needed to fix my car. Yeah. That's um, actually key that you don't realize how expensive shit is for your car until something yeah. breaks. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've been lucky. I've had the car for four and a half years and I've never had to do anything major on it, but now it's like all the things are happening at once with my car. And I'm just like, can it combust on its own at this point? Cause I'm done. Um, that was how it goes, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm grateful that like financially I was able to do that. I'm grateful that I have a workplace that is understanding. And when I went into work, they were like, okay, I'm glad you're better. Please don't ever get sick again. Cause it was a nightmare without you. So I'm grateful <laughs> for the appreciation that they have for me. And I am grateful for the community that I have being able to, you know, have people like you that reach out to me and want to use my story to help other people. I love that. I think that was five. Yeah, that was five. I love that. Do you, you know, if if you start your day on such a positive note, do you find that it's really easy to kind of maintain that throughout the day? Or do you have days where like you'll have like a little hiccup and something will bother you? Do you try to remind yourself of those things that you've been great? I do. So I have I always write down, like I have a gratitude journal where I write it down with the date and whatever which is kind of cool to be able to go back on and see like little things that I was like, oh, wow, I was worried about that. And like, that's stupid. Why was I worried about it? Right. But I also, every morning I take a picture of it oh, so I that it. if I do, cause I did find days where, you know, either something would go wrong at work or, you know, something would happen or I would just have one of those moods that just hit you. Yeah. And I would find myself struggling throughout the day. And I've noticed like now I take a picture of it, whether I feel like I'm going to have that day or not. And then if I do find myself slipping into that, I go back to it and I'm like, okay, these are the five things I'm grateful for. And I'll like repeat them to myself until I'm kind of like, okay, you're being upset and it's temporary. And I keep, like, I always remind myself that the hard times are temporary. They're not going to last. They're, you know, times don't, what is it? Hard times don't last. Tough people do or something. It's a country song. I don't know. <laughs> You're asking the wrong person. Uh, I like country, but like, I don't know a whole lot. Like Luke Bryan. Yeah. That's, that's pretty Right. Amazing. So yeah, I try that. And then I also have, like, I have certain videos of Alex that when in doubt will Fine. cheer me up every time. Um, <laughs> and so I do little things like that. And then I also make sure that if I, I also have to take my walk with my dog. Like that trail walk, it's something so simple, but makes the biggest difference for me mentally. It's 
just that one place where it's like, it's just me and the dog. And some days I'll go and I'll listen to a podcast or I'll listen to like a self-help book on an audio book. Or some days I'll just go with literally just like listen to nothing but the trees and the birds. And it's just, it's that place where I can be by myself, think what I need to think. And just, it's kind of like a reset, clear my head. So that's another non-negotiable. And sometimes I'll do that more than once in a day. (laughs) Hey, if you need to, if that's what's going to help you get through the day, then nobody should really be saying anything about it. You you do what you need to, to help you get through it. Hey, Vibers. So Kelsey and I like to talk a lot. So this episode is actually cut into two parts. So check out the second part in two weeks. Thanks, guys. Well, that concludes today's episode. Bye, Vibers. 